Welcome back to the Dragnut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson of Blue Chip Scouting. We are your hosts for the return of the show. We have missed you guys so much. I was busy with school for the last two months, which is why we only had one episode since um, probably late September. Um, but today we are back to our regular slash new scheduled programming. Um, and why not return with talk of NFL draft prospects for the class of 2022? But before we dive into some of these players, Devin, happy Thursday night. Or for you listeners um, on, yeah, are listening to this on Friday, happy Friday to you, sir. How are you doing and how are your New Orleans Saints going? Well, they're going about as well as uh, your Panthers. <laughs> I mean, they're they're both uh, struggling uh, this year, uh, finding their way. Uh, but but I'm doing pretty good, man. Uh, you know, excited to be back on on the show and uh, you know talk some prospects. It's that time of year. Yeah, man. I mean, we're now at the point where we see a ton of uh, some of the more well known draft prospects. Um, either declare for the NFL draft or get accepted to whichever all-star game they're going to, whether it's the senior bowl um, or the shrine bowl. So it's a great time to see great time of year for football. We're in the final stretch of the NFL season. The playoff race is starting to heat up. Um, We also have bowl games starting here in, in about a week or so. Um, we got Navy versus Army this weekend. Um, it, there's so much going on over these next several weeks. Um, I'm super excited to get going. Um, and also, I got a month off from school, which is nice. I'm glad to have this month off to kind of sit back, relax, recharge, and just watch some prospects and catch up on some of the guys I haven't been able to watch all season long and really just understand, okay, what do these players now bring to the table from what they originally brought to the table in the summer? So I'm excited to really get going with prospect talk. Um, I have done two uh, final evaluations uh, for the 2022 NFL draft. The first one I want to discuss is none other than the great Derek Stingley. Um, Derek Stingley, cornerback out of LSU your favorite college team, LSU, your local college team, LSU, now that you live in New Orleans. Um, Devin, I want to ask you first about Stingley. Um, you you probably know him better than a lot of people as you are an LSU fan. You've watched him more. Um, just tell me, like, j- just wait, in your opinion, what he brings to the table at the NFL level. Well, he, he's a smooth mover. Uh, he, he's someone that uh, gets flu, uh, very fluid in and out of his breaks, a really great athlete, uh, someone that was making plays as a true freshman that, uh, I mean, you, there's some juniors and seniors that don't even make some of the plays he was making in terms of uh, being able to, uh, you know, stay lateral when uh, he's getting uh, pushed off the line of scrimmage by a receiver, uh, being able to turn and locate the football in the air. A lot of college uh, cornerbacks struggle with locating the football in the air, but not Derek Stingley. Uh, so that was kind of like the first impression with him. 
uh, that he was able to to not only uh, you know play man to man defense, play press man, uh, but be able to to make plays uh, when they're throwing the ball his direction. Uh, his freshman year was probably one of the the better ones we've seen in quite some time. Uh, from a true freshman and someone uh, on the field immediately. And it kind of set the stage for him to, uh, and as we know, we kind of underachieved these last two years because of how well he played as a freshman. Uh, He played off the charts. Uh, Teams uh, tested him because he was a freshman, and then by the end of the season, they weren't even throwing his way. Uh, He developed it as a lockdown corner in year one, uh, something we haven't seen, uh, like I said, in quite some time. Uh, so it, that was kind of the, the initial things that stuck out to him. Uh, injuries robbed him of his final season at uh, LSU. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of sad to see because, you know, both him and Keishon Butte, who was probably a future first round pick next year, uh, both had their seasons cut short with injury and, and two of the best players on LSU's uh, team in general. But but uh, Stingley was phenomenal uh, at his time, his brief time at LSU. Uh, thought there were there were times, you know, uh, that he didn't play as sharp or as as well as he did as a freshman uh, in, in terms of tackling and in terms of uh, just ball production. But but he's still a fantastic prospect and, and a physical specimen. I, I agree with you about uh, what you said about Stingley there, about some of the missed tackles um, you saw in time, some of the mental laps. Uh, there, you, you saw plenty of that. I, I think not only the last um, season and a half or so, season and a quarter, I would say, um, but you also saw, kind of saw that his freshman year as well. Um, his matchups against Devontae Smith, um, there were times where he, he was just – he just let him go free. And now I, his freshman year against Alabama, against Devontae Smith, he was the, – the one rep – the first rep that he got burnt from Devontae Smith, he was looking at the sideline trying to get the play call. He wasn't sure what the play call was. Alabama snaps the ball. Smith goes flying by. Touchdown, Alabama. Then at the end of the game, he gets burned again. This time, Smith actually cooked him off the line of scrimmage. Um, but I, that just goes to show how great of a player Devontae Smith was. And Devontae Smith, I will admit, got the better of Derek Stingley during the matchups from – not only this, not only 2019, but 2020. Um, but again, that just goes to show you how great of a receiver Devontae Smith was. And he, of course, went on to win the Heisman Trophy in 2020. Um, and like you said, uh, Stingley dealt with some injuries that really led to some of the up and down moments we've seen over the last couple of seasons. Um, there are missed tackles in the run game at times. Uh, he can come downhill too aggressively. He can also really just kind of display a lack of technique when he comes downhill as a tackler when he's closing in on the ball carrier. Um, in zone, he'll sometimes let things go behind him. Um, he'll get kind of he'll get kind of confused in some ways, but like just overall in zone though. He does a good job of uh, – let me find the notes here. Um, he, he does a good job with spatial awareness just overall. There were moments where he he just let some things go behind him. Um, but overall, his spatial awareness and zone when it comes to spacing, um, 
and just overall awareness. It, it, it was really good uh, for the most part. Stanley overall as a prospect. So some background on, on him. He was a first-team All-American. Like I mean, first-team everything um, over the last couple of years. Um, in, 2020, in 2019, he was first-team all – he was 2019 um, consensus All-American, first-team All-American. SEC Newcomer of the Year, first-team All-SEC. He was also the top recruit from the class of 2019. So he he just had – he came in and just dominated from the get-go. And you could say – you can just take away all of his 2020 and what he had for 2019, and you can just do a film evaluation for his 2019 tape because it was that good – he was just that special and just that well-refined for a freshman. It, it was incredible to watch Stingley um, in his 2019 tape. Um, at 6'1", 195, uh, he has a really good long frame, good athletic and physical profile. Um, he can really match up with any receiver. He has snaps at nickel and free safety. Um, in man coverage, he doesn't really he, – he's so patient – at the line of scrimmage, and it allows him to stay in phase um, with consistency. Um, he's an excellent press man corner, has the link to really disrupt receivers at the line of scrimmage. He's able to mirror receivers um, very, very well, stay at their hip pocket um, with al almost every time in man coverage. Um, he, great play speed, and it his play speed allows him to really come well his place his play speed allows him to really recover quickly in terms of if he gets sort of burnt but the ball's a little bit underthrown he's able to come in there and get a and make a play on the ball um, he does a good job of gaining depth with his drops his back pedal is really nice um, it, it's about damn near flawless, uh, great reactionary quickness, um, does a good job with transition in zone, passing receivers off, what have you. Closing speed is great. Um, like I said before, his ball skills are fantastic. Um, great physical, physicality at the catch point. He, he's always playing through contact. He does a great job to locate the ball well. And of course he had um, over six, he had six interceptions during his freshman season, which is just unheard of for a freshman. Um, he's overall, I think he's a good tackler in the run game. Um, but like I said, there are some things to clean up there, but it's not really something I'd be concerned about at the next level. Um, but overall, man, Derek Stingley, he is that dude without question. I don't know if he's going to be cornerback number one, though. I'll have to see how my evaluation goes with Andrew Booth, with Sauce Garner, um, and with some other you – know, with Kira Elam. So I'll have to see what my evaluations – how my evaluations go for those players um, to see if Stingley does come out on top as cornerback number one. But he did get – let me see the grade he got. He got a first-round – grade 93 and a half um, for his film grade first round value um, terrific prospect terrific player uh, 
he's going to be a day one starter and he'll be a pro bowler very, very soon. Um, probably within the next couple of years or so. Wouldn't surprise me if he made the Pro Bowl as a rookie, would not at all. Yeah, he's going to be a really high-profile guy at the next level, uh, someone that, that's going to, uh, you know, continue to to get better, uh, even with NFL coaching, and really hone in on his skills, uh, his skill set. I think there's still areas of this game that he can refine. Uh, he can obviously be more consistent as a tackler. That's the number one thing. Also, want to see him uh, play play a little bit more aggressive in zones too. Uh, see him be able to uh, really read the quarterback size, jump, uh, you know, uh, routine passes, and, and show off that uh, quick twitch athletic ability that makes him a first round prospect as well. So I think uh, you know he will only get better as at the more he plays. And, and the problem sometimes with with shutdown corners at the college level, and Ahmad Gardner can uh, you know attest to this, they stop throwing the ball your way. You know, you stop seeing action and sometimes that can lead you to be disengaged or or not as uh, focused as you would normally be if you saw targets, you know. So that's the only thing about, uh, you know, uh, playing at a high level as a cornerback such at such an early age. Teams are not going to go after you. You know, they're they're not going to find ways to uh, attack you because you can make them pay with with how uh, how good you are. So I think he he's also uh, suffering from a little bit of that uh, as well. That the fact that he uh, is so good that he takes away one side of the field, and then they have to pick on uh, other the other side of the field, which was Eli Ricks, and and he was able to benefit uh, from some of that as well. So uh, I, I think that's that's kind of his dilemma with uh, you know in terms of. You know, getting to the NFL level because now he's going to be playing against dudes that uh, are at the same skill level as him, and and now he's going to have to really refine his technique and be uh, even more a more cerebral player and, and show some of the things he can do uh, at the, the NFL level too. And I will say this about rookie corners: um, they're most rookie corners are not going to come in and just dominate from the get-go. They are going to struggle because they are getting used to the NFL speed. Um, and I, I don't know if uh, Jeff Okuda is a good example because we haven't really seen what he can do as a player. I mean, he tours the Keeley, so we won't really know what he's like next year. Is he going to end up being a bust down the road? We have no idea. But uh, – I, I will say that Jeff Okuda had did not have a good rookie year, but at the same time, kind of expected it in a sense, like because rookie corners, like very rarely do you see them just come in and dominate from the get go. Um, and I think a good example of one corner coming in and actually doing really well um, to start his career or as a rookie. In the NFL, um, I could say probably Jari um, Alexander, uh, Jalen Ramsey. Those are just the first two names that really come to mind. Even they struggled, but they did show like, okay, these are guys that we have to deal with this coming week. We have to actually game plan for this coming week um, because they were that good their rookie year. So. Um, just a little FYI when it comes to rookie corners, just be patient with them. They're not going to come in and just be dominant from uh, from the start. Um, I think Patrick Sertan could be a good example of 
corner that has had his moments, but he has done well um, so far his rookie season. Uh, Greg Newsom um, can attest to that as well. J.C. Horn, when he was healthy earlier this season, he can too, he can attest to that as well. So, Devin, I know you um, have watched several prospects of your own, um, and one of them is Liberty quarterback Malik Willis. So tell us what you have seen from Malik Willis and what does he bring to the next level? Yeah, so uh, I actually did an article on risingdraft.com, uh, basically talking about some of the deficiencies he's ha- he has as a quarterback uh, at the college level and, and talked a little bit about his system. Uh, but, but you know, let's kind of start with background first and, and talk about, you know, who Malik Willis is. So uh, coming out of high school, uh, he played high school in Georgia, uh, and uh, obviously he committed to uh, Auburn out of high school. And, uh, you know, he sat behind, uh, you know, the quarterbacks there and most recently uh, got chosen uh, to sit behind Bo Nix and, and he decided to uh, go ahead and, and transfer. So he transferred to Liberty, I believe, in 2019, uh, but he had to sit out the full season because that was before, you know, you could get waivers and uh, you didn't have to sit out the full season uh, when you transferred. So he sat out the full season of, of 2019 comes into 2020 his first uh real time getting or first time really getting real playing time at the college level and lit it up you know he was someone that that kind of caught my eye back in october of that year before you've played that virginia tech game and then we saw that one clip that gets showed over and over him spinning out of the pocket and then uh, making that dime throw of 30 40 yards down the field so that was kind of the introduction to him. Uh, kind of my introduction was against Southern Miss, I believe. He had like six or seven touchdowns, total touchdowns, uh, and was just uh, zipping the ball over all over the field. You know, the the arm talent is undeniable. It's flawless. You know, it, it flies off his hand. There should be no questions about his arm talent as it relates to, to the NFL. I think he probably has the best arm talent in this draft class, arguably, uh, in terms of what he – has in his toolbox and what he can do on the move, what he can do from the pocket, you know, and then he's continued to add to his game as well. So uh, that's kind of uh, a brief synopsis of who he is and what he brings to the table. And obviously he's a dynamic athlete, uh, dual threat. Um, he leads, actually leads Liberty in passing and rushing this year uh, in into the 2021 season. They just give you a, uh, you know, kind of a, brief overview of what he brings to the table in terms of an athlete. Now, the terms of the evaluation, this is probably going to be the toughest evaluation, uh, arguably, of the 2022 class uh, because of how well Lamar Jackson has done with the Ravens in the last few years and how it can be proven that if you truly build a system around a quarterback with unique skills, a unique skill set, uh, it can work. So I think that's kind of the baseline there. There's no longer just because you're not necessarily accurate, you're not necessarily, uh, you know, polished in the pocket or, you know, your your mental uh, process as a quarterback isn't polished. I think that is no longer an issue. We've seen with Josh Allen, we've seen with Lamar Jackson. Uh, those are two of the bigger examples. I mean, you even go back, you know, Obviously, Marcus Mariota failed, but they tried to build, a, you know, an offense around his skill set, uh, you know, with the Titans. 
You look at uh, Johnny Manziel with the Browns. They try to do the same thing. So it, there is precedent precedent uh, there to, to uh, kind of give you the the background of what you can do with a dual threat quarterback. Like it's not impossible for them to get better. And it's not impossible for them to win from the pocket. The thing with Malik Willis is he runs an RPO based system. So it means that it is heavily dependent on basically a, a range of play calls and you read one guy and you make a decision and the offense was so basic, you know, in terms of what he can do. Like, sure, there were some sprint rollouts. Sure, there were uh, plays where they moved the pocket. There were plays where they had reoption, inverted veer, all these types of things, quarterback power. But in terms of building off of those uh, concepts, there wasn't a lot of that. So what you saw this year when teams prepare to understand what he does, they knew how to stop him. And what they would do is load the box and send seven or eight. Because it's an RPO system, he he is used to reading one or two guys, not used to making calls at the line of scrimmage, not used to checking out of plays, uh, at least from my knowledge. He's not used to having the keys of the entire offense in his hand. So, when it, and as that translates to the NFL level, it gets to a point where the talent is going to warrant a first round selection for him. I don't think there is a debate that he's a first round quarterback just based on his tools alone. But in terms of getting him in the NFL system and truly developing his ability to read defense, his ability to just post snap, his ability to call protections and see blitzes coming. I think that's still a big part of this game that is going to need refinement. It, it, it just is what it is in terms of that. But the accuracy concerns are going to be there. Uh, he has a hard time trying to win from the pocket in terms of uh, moving in the pocket and not necessarily taking off if one, one or two read isn't there or the pocket is starting to collapse. His default thing is to do a Russell Wilson and kind of spin out or try to uh, maneuver his way out of the pocket by running out of it. And that doesn't always work. And that's the same case with Russell Wilson. But also when he's outside of the pocket or when he gets outside of the pocket, that's when he's dangerous. And uh, one area I want to see him improve a little bit more that I think is there, but he just has to get his footwork right on the move is throwing on the move. And I think that's something he can really excel at and continue to grow his game in, uh, in terms of being able to to work off structure and off script. I think it's his running ability is going to be phenomenal. And if he were to hit the seat, you know, hit the field early on his NFL career, I think his running ability will certainly help him more than hurt him. But I do want to see him truly protect himself better. I think he took way too many hits this year. Want to pr- protect the ball better in terms of uh, not staring down receivers and throwing interceptions, uh, not fumbling the ball in the pocket when when pressures around him, and just be more secure with the football. But at the same time, he makes some great touch throws. He has added the touch throw to his arsenal this year. Uh, he can zip it from the opposite hash to the opposite sideline. 
he can he can make all the throws. That's not a question, but his footwork needs to improve. He just needs to be in a, a system that uh, uses his skill set and, and accentuates it, and, and it uses it to an advantage and not a disadvantage. And they got to give him answers to blitz because I feel like that's the one thing they did not do at Liberty. When they sent seven or eight guys, if he didn't make one of them miss, it was a sack. It, it just was. That's what it was. And there were no quick. <clears throat> there were no quick hot routes, no quick anything. So I think he needs to be in a, a system for a few years before you can really throw him out there and expect high level play. But he has the highest ceiling in the NFL draft class and in, in this NFL draft class because he is a true. And I think he's going to be a true boomer bust prospect. Either he's going to be able to figure all this out and, and be a great player or he's not going to be what we thought he was or what he could be and just turns into kind of a, you know, kind of serviceable quarterback that, you know, you kind of have for a couple of years around. You can provide dynamic running ability, but never truly take that step. So he's, he's a tough evaluation. I personally would probably give him a third round grade because of some of the deficiencies he has as a passer, but I know for sure that he's going first round. Hearing you say Malik Willis, third round grade, that kind of shocked me. Uh, but am I surprised? Not really. Um, I know there are some Malik Willis truthers out there. Um, I, I, I know that he has his fans. I'm a fan of him too, but I also understand that he comes from an offense that really didn't benefit him and didn't really help him out in terms of um, true talent development. Um, so I, I will say that Willis can be a phenomenal talent. He has got the goods to be that, uh, like a Malik Jackson-esque level player in the NFL. But he does not need to be thrown into the fire from week one. Or he should be sitting the entire year. I wouldn't even play him at all unless your team he goes to a bad football team and they're bad again um, during the rest of the season and then he gets playing time at the end of the year. That's the only reason I see him playing because I think while, yes, the refs for Willis would be good, you don't want to throw, throw him into the fire and then just – completely devastate his um, confidence and lose that confidence. So I think Malik, with Malik Willis, um, an NFL team's going to have to be patient with him in terms of his development because you see the talent, it's there. You just got to be patient with his mental development as he continues to work with his mechanics, his accuracy. He may never be a true accurate or elite accurate quarterback. He may never be that. Um, and that's okay because what what he brings to the table matters more than what, like, overall, like, his running ability, his arm talent. Like, that's, I think, if you have those two things at the NFL level, um, you're going to have some sort of success in the NFL, at least. May you know, I think Willis does have a bright future in the NFL. And like you said, he has he is a boom or bust prospect. 
Um, but also Willis is kind of a good example of why this quarterback class, quite frankly, ain't it. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about the quarterback class probably during the off season. Um, once we really start to break down all these quarterbacks more in depth, once I really start to get more into the quarterback class as well. Um, there are some players I'm really excited to actually look at to see, Hey, maybe he is better than we all think he is. Um, then there are some prospects where I'm like, maybe he's not exactly as good as we think he is. So, you know, it, we're going to be talking about the quarterback class throughout the entire offseason leading up to the draft. We'll see what happens. So it'll be an interesting conversation moving forward. I want to start with Aiden Hutchinson for my next prospect talk. Um, Aiden Hutchinson, man, he has been – one of the best defensive players in the country, if not the best defensive player in the country. Um, no disrespect to Will Anderson. I truly believe Will Anderson is the best player overall in the entire country. But Aiden Hutchinson um, really just like put his flag up, put his name on the map um, in front of the world against Ohio State, three sacks against Ohio State. Um, for Aiden Hutchinson, number 97 for the Michigan Wolverines. Um, he was a big part of the reason why Michigan was able to finally beat Ohio State in the Jim Harbaugh era. Um, and now Michigan is in the playoff as the number two seed with a chance to be in the, be in the national championship um, early next month. So Aiden Hutchinson, um, his father Chris, played for Michigan from – uh, 1989 to 1992. Um, his father ended up becoming um, the all-time se single-season sacks leader for the Wolverines up until his son ended up taking over that stand as the single-season all-time leader in sacks for the Wolverines. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is a Heisman finalist. Um, here in 2021, he was also a four-star recruit coming out of college. Um, I, I will say this, Aiden Hutchinson, healthy young man. That This dude is very good. Um, he displays a lot of versatility, um, and he did during his time at Michigan. He took snaps from 4-Eye, 3-Tech, um, head up over the, over the center, base end. Um, he lined up from a three-point stance, two-point stance. Um, he can play really in any role or any scheme at the next level. Um, and for a couple reasons, um, he has a great pass rush arsenal, and he has got great physical and athletic. He has a great physical and athletic profile. Um, he has also got very well-refined hands. Um, in terms of technique, um, and he is a really solid, uh, really good run defender overall. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me when it came to Aiden Hutchinson was his motor. Um, Hutchinson displayed high-level effort on almost every single play. There were times where he would get stonewalled in his rush, and then um, he would be able to come back and get the sack on second effort. Um, and his effort against the run is quite incredible. 
Um, and he always plays with a sense of urgency whenever he's trying to get after the quarterback or the ball carrier. Um, Hutchinson's first step is quite explosive. He displays great quickness around the edge, displays a sense of sort of aggression and anger. You can see like he just flies up the arc with such anger, it feels like. He's like, I want to knock the crap crap out of this offensive tackle. Now I want to knock the crap out of this quarterback that I'm going up against. Like you, you can see like he, he just comes uphill with like just sheer um, aggressive force. Um, he does a good job of gaining plenty of ground within his first first few initial steps. Um, he doesn't have like true elite bend, but he does a nice job of being able to really contort himself um, at the top of the arc and dipping under opposing linemen. Um, like I said, his pass rush plan is quite it is full of different moves and counters. Um, I saw a bull rush. I saw um, a long arm. I saw um, swipe at the hand, scissors, um, swim, um, hard jab inside, able to swim back out. Um, you know, like I think that for any off defensive lineman coming into the NFL, you have a really good pass rush plan. You're going to have some early su success at the next level. And I think Hutchinson will have some early success at the NFL level to start his career. Um, his hand, his hands are really well refined. Like I said, um, really refined with his punches, um, being able to um, detach the hands from his body um, or the opposing alignment's hands from his body, uh, able to swipe away the hands and the elbow, um, and his arm length, elite length, able to really stack and shed blocks uh, with consistency. Um, his length allows him to display more power at the point of attack, um, and the power he generates um, at the point of attack, just really, you can see the jolt in opposing alignment, just like they get shook. As soon as Hutchinson lays a hand on them, you can just see them just like shake a little bit. So Hutchinson, very powerful pass rusher. Um, I think he has, I think he's a future Pro Bowl defensive end, like a future multi-Pro Bowl, maybe all-pro defensive end. Um, that you can really plug and play really anywhere, any scheme, wherever he goes, he's going to be just fine just because of how re well refined he is. Um, at, I have said he is a good run defender, but I think he, there are some times where he questions himself at the mesh point, not exactly what to do sometimes when he's in space. Um, especially like if he's dropping back into coverage, which you rarely see. And, and I don't recommend dropping Aiden Hutchinson in coverage. Um, he, he's not really known for making plays in space, um, but you, you'll see him sometimes dropping into the flag, the hook with the curl. Um, he does display some nat uh, some really impressive nat uh, lateral agility, but to be honest with you, he should not be playing in coverage at all. Um, he does get conflicted, like I said, at the mesh point, um, but he, he's a solid run defender, good, solid run defender overall. He'll get better um, throughout his career, 
um, rookie year will really be a year for him to develop um, his ability against the run. Um, but overall, from just the broad scope of things, I don't have a problem with Hutchinson's game. Um, he's one of the more well-rounded prospects in this draft class. And he's one of the – he is arguably um, – one of the best pass rushers, if not the best pass rusher in this draft class. Uh, I have yet to watch Kayvon uh, um, Thibodeau. Um, so far, um, I'm looking to see how much more tape comes out. And once that tape comes out, I will most certainly uh, be watching Kayvon Thibodeau, see if whether or not Hutchinson is better than him. We'll, we'll have that discussion probably down the road, but ain't Hutchinson, man. The real deal, um, puck and play at the next level, future pro bowler. Um, you can ride in Sharpie, honestly. Like this, this is a very, very good player, no doubt player for the next level. Yeah, he's been fantastic all year long. Uh, someone that a lot of people did like before he got injured last year and, and could have been a candidate to, to make that NFL jump last year and maybe been a late first round, early second round pick uh, just based on his small uh, uh, sample size. But he has been uh, tremendous and even better in 2021 coming back off of that injury. And it's probably a top 10, if not top five pick uh, by the time it's all said and done. Uh, he's been been a disruptive force uh, up front for Michigan all season long and, uh, you know, uses his hands really well. And uh, is quite polished for uh, a college player, a college edge rushers and, probably more polished than some of the ones we've seen uh, go in the first round the last few years. And obviously Jason Oway comes to mind. Uh, even Jalen Phillips to some degree comes to mind. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson does a little bit of everything. You know, he uh, not only uh, makes plays in the run game, he makes plays in the pass game. He doesn't win with just power or speed. Uh, use a combination of, of different moves and, and pass rush moves to get home. And uh, as a, you know, as a evaluator, that's something you want to see. You know, want to see if someone comes with a plan, a pass rush plan, and is able to to disrupt plays uh, that aren't coming to his side of the field. Uh, he can chase down plays from behind, and and then uh, lastly, uh, be able to string together multiple pass rush moves and be able to get home even when they're sending two or three uh, guys your way, and you're still finding a way to get home. So, Hutchinson has been been phenomenal all season long, and and definitely warrants the, the top five, top 10 pick that he's been receiving uh, over the last couple of weeks and, and months. I know you wanted to talk about a couple more players before um, we ended uh, this episode. Uh, Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State and, um, and um, Marquez Bell, um, two players I, I, I know you are fans of. Part of your brand, I mean, I feel like every player is part of your brand. Devin, I mean, we joke about it all the time in the group chat. I mean, Hutchinson's yeah. going to be a brand player. That was a brand player. Thomas is definitely a brand player for you. So give us a quick rundown of uh, Cameron Thomas and Bell. Yeah, Cameron Thomas is is a, a phenomenal player. Uh, and many call him, and specifically uh, the person I'm talking about, uh, Ben Fennell, uh, he called him the Mountain West version of Aiden Hutchison just to give a synopsis of who he is. So uh, Cameron Thomas, uh, he grew up kind of in the uh, San Diego area uh, and, and pretty much 
play there through throughout uh, his childhood because uh, I got to sit down and talk with him. And, and that's also available at RiseAndDraft.com, <clears throat> that full story. But uh, he wasn't uh, – he had a few Power 5 offers come in his, late in his senior year, but uh, San Diego State was what he, where he wanted to go. It was also where his brother goes, Zachary Thomas, the, the tackle out of San Diego State. So he followed his brother there. Um, and uh, he redshirted his freshman season. But as a true freshman, they had him playing nose tackle. And now this is a guy that came into to college at 225 pounds. Um, so to, to give you kind of a, a picture of that. And by by the time he was a, a retro freshman, he was playing nose guard. And he was making tackles all over the field, um, you know, shooting gaps and, and kind of really developing his hand usage that you see with him now today. Uh, and that's how he got on the field as as a true freshman back in 2019. 2020, he moved back to uh, the edge. And I should explain, uh, San Diego State runs a 3-3-5 defense. So uh, it's kind of a unique style of defense where there are five secondary players that play all over the field. You got three defensive linemen and three linebackers. So sometimes a linebacker, uh, one of the linebackers will blitz to make that four-man rush. Sometimes they'll just go get home with three. But uh, Thomas played more of the traditional defensive end position uh, as a, uh, a redshirt sophomore, redshirt junior. Uh, this season, he exploded uh, on the scene. Uh, he, I believe he had 20 and a half tackles for loss, 11 and a half sacks, uh, was named the Mountain West Player of the Year. Uh, uses his hands really, really well. Uh, he, he uses it, his long arms to uh, disengage uh, tackles and then. He has a variety of uh, moves in his toolbox. He uses the double swipe, uh, dip and rip. Uh, he uses a bull rush. He uses a swim move quite a bit uh, on tape, and and he's he's just a, a fantastic player. I haven't done a full evaluation on him. Haven't given a round grade just yet. Uh, that'll be coming in the next few days. But uh, pretty certain that he's going to grade out, assuming that he declares. That's the that's the only thing. The only caveat. Uh, he has not officially declared just yet, so that's kind of why I'm holding off on giving him a round uh, grade uh, until he declares. But but he's a phenomenal player with a uh, high upside. Uh, he's a fairly young player, too. Uh, he didn't even uh, play all four years at San Diego State. She decided to make the NFL jump. Uh, I believe he's a top 50 pick right now. I think he is that good, um, and, and he's obviously not getting a lot of uh, attention nationally because he plays at San Diego State in the Mountain West, but he was uh, the driving force to that defense and uh, is a big reason why uh, they were in the Mountain West championship game and, and ranked in the top 25. He played phenomenal all year long. Um, I'm very excited to see uh, kind of where he lands if he does uh, make that jump, and uh, he's he's just a great player to watch. And then switching things over to, to Marquise Bell, uh, safety out of FAMU. Uh, he uh, out of Florida A&M University, I should say the full name, uh, coming out, kind of coming out of high school. Uh, I believe he was a four star prospect that ended up going to Maryland. Uh, but, uh, you know, some things off the field transpired, ended up transferring to Florida A&M. Uh, dude has been an absolute stud. I mean, he flies from from opposite side of the field to make tackles, runs the alley really well. Uh, and, and, and has very smooth hips in and out transitions uh, in man coverage. And then zone coverage, he has the awareness and ball skills to go and attack a football in the air. 
You know, he can he can play that kind of center field role. He can play uh, near the box and, and be that extra defender in the box and, and make plays in the run game. Uh, he, he, he does really well in short spaces and, and matched up against tight ends. One thing I, I, I would like to see better from him is just, uh, you know, be a little bit more consistent tackling in open field. And not that his tackling isn't bad. I think he's, he's a really good tackler. But I do think uh, Phil sometimes that he tries to go for the big hit. He goes tries to go for the the splash play, and sometimes that can lead to missed tackles and poor angles. Uh, so I do want to see him clean that up a bit. Uh, also want to see him be a little bit more active uh, in in zone coverage too, uh, kind of in the deeper zones. Uh, in the short zones, he's really good and able to close on the football quickly. Deeper zones, I would like to see him uh, transition a little bit better and. Uh, see uh, concepts a little bit better in front of him. But uh, overall, I think he's a really, really great player. He's probably going to get a, about a third-round grade from me. I think he's uh, a top-10 safety in this in this draft class. Uh, that could be pushing top five if, if he uh, fares re- very well in this background check, <clears throat> as well as test well and uh, in, in play well in the Shrine Bowl. So I, I think he's a player that – uh, could, could continue to rise his stock. But I think right now I would not be surprised if he went top 100, top 125, kind of in that range, and, and be an immediate contributor on special teams and then develop into a long-time star at the NFL level. We were joking around this, about this um, pre-show, but, you know, it's a shame you haven't done a John Dotson eval. You got to do one, man. You gotta do one. You gotta do one soon, bro. Come on. I will eventually. Uh, just, just not yet, man. Just not yet. I gotta get through my own conferences first uh, before I get to the Big Ten. I, I will say, Jahan Donson is not the best wide receiver in the Big Ten. Just to get that out of the way, I don't even think he's. Is he really a he might be a top five receiver in the Big Ten coming into the draft process. But, you know, we'll talk about it more um, during during the offseason once uh, the both of us have really gone th- through a good portion of the draft class. Um, I think for me it's important to get as many evaluations as I can done since I am in school. Um, and – you know, exams and finals, they're like right, right around draft time, right around draft day. So I'm trying to get as much done as I can um, before that. Uh, so then I'm not, you know, in the bind when it comes to, okay, I have to get stuff out quickly. But um, I will say this, I will not be at the Senior Bowl this year. Um, I have made that clear in the blue chip scouting Group chat. I've also made that clear on Twitter. I will not be attending the Senior Bowl physically and virtually, um, as I want to focus on my academics. And um, but I, I know um, our boys at Blue, at Blue Chip Scouting are going to do a great job with covering the Senior Bowl. Um, whoever ends up going, um, but I'm really excited for the draft process. Um, I know we got some special things um, planned for the Blue for blue chip scouting so guys thank you so much for listening we'll see you guys next week peace